0: you could stand that half cut and rep better than these guys. Look score down and it's called.
1: We are back with another episode of From the Rafters. Sam and I are here on a Friday before the Celtics take on the Sixers for the second time. With guest Max Letterman, how are you doing today, Max?
0: I'm doing great, guys. I,
1: I've, so, you know, you know how I am with these series. It's a win-win no matter what for me. So I'm excited, <laughs> of course, of course, Max, the the resident Sixers fan. You you grew up a Sixers fan, right?
0: Yep, that's. I don't think you can become a Sixers fan unless you're born into it. But yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. So we figured we'd have you on. That was a good time. Uh, and especially after that first game out of the two, um, obviously the biggest thing was, you know, Joel Embiid was just an absolute monster. He's having an MVP season. Is there a key to containing him or is it just, you know, throwing Tristan Thompson at him and praying? Uh, you know,
0: look, Al Horford did a great job when he was on the Celtics at defending Embiid. And the trick was to just not foul. And that's easier said than done. But Uh, That really is the key with Embiid because, you know, when he's hitting those shots and he's been on like a really hot streak uh, just generally this season. Uh, He's not taking as many threes, but he is taking kind of like long twos, but they're just wet. He's just he's got such good touch for someone his size. And when he's hitting those, he had a couple like fadeaways like Dirk shots uh, against the Celtics the other night. Uh, He was unconscious. There's really nothing you can do. Um, so you just have to really be disciplined. Uh, and if he's going to hit that shot, okay. But once he gets it down, in, um, in the low post, you know, they, since they now surrounded him with shooters, which is, you know, a novel concept, he's able to, when you double team him, he, he's just hitting guys and they're hitting threes. So, uh, you really just have to play him one-on-one and just not foul him. And if he makes a shot over you, great, but he's too good of a free throw shooter and he does get fouled almost every time down there uh if you're not
1: disciplined so you just have to
0: you have to live with him being able to score in the paint without fouling
1: no yeah and and like you said it's obviously easier said than done and i think that became clear to a lot of Celtics fans on Wednesday, I believe it was when he took seventeen free. Or he took twenty-one and made seventeen. That that was absolutely absurd. What what do you make of that free throw disparity? Were the Celtics just fouling, or was it a little bit of the refs? You know, just kind of favoring Embiid.
0: Um. Well, I think he you know he gets fouled. Uh. You know, it is the disparity. I think you know it. It won't be like that tonight. Let's just put it that way. I think um, there's probably sh- uh, plays on the other side that could have gone to the free throw line that didn't but i can't think of one off the top of my head and Scal actually brought this up in post game after the game and said look people that are complaining about the disparity you know blame it on the celtics decisions on offense they were taking jump shots you know you know beads getting fouled you know underneath the basket the celtics are taking jump shots and if they're expecting to get to the line as many times you know it's just it's just an unrealistic unrealistic expectation However, uh, that, you know, the disparity was a little gross. You can't really, you know, have that. So I would say force the issue, get inside and, you know, make the refs uh, even it out. But I, you know, Embiid has that swim move. You know, he's like Harden. That's why when the Sixers were in the mix for Harden, you know, I made a lot of jokes with some of my Philly, uh, NBC Philly friends. Like, man, you guys are gonna have a lot of sponsorship opportunities at the free throw line. You know, if those two guys are on the same team, these are going to be really long games.
1: (laughs) Giving away a lot of free Frosties or whatever the the hell people give away at the free throw line. Um, Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, 17 of 21 is absurd. Uh He took more than the Celtics took as a team. And like you said, I feel like most Uh of it was, you know, they were just fouling a beat. He was doing a good job of getting to the basket. But that disparity is just, it's crazy to look at on paper. So, do you prefer Tristan Thompson or Daniel Tice guarding Embiid? Because I feel like we saw a little bit of both. Tice had a better game last time, but most people going into the game thought Tristan Thompson would be the better option. Do, do you see there uh, being a big difference there in terms of like who should guard him?
0: Uh, well, it, I I think honestly, I think Tice has better numbers. Uh, I I haven't don't have them off the top of my head, but I know last year, um, there was somebody that tweeted out that you know. Daniel Tice can't guard Embiid, and I looked up the matchup numbers, and he actually had great matchup, you know, metrics against Embiid, uh, you know, relative to everyone else. So I, I do think Tice is, you know, I think because Tice struggled against Bam in the playoffs that people kind of think that he's, you know, he can't guard Embiid. They're different players, um, and Embiid is a guy that just gets force-fed the ball and down in the paint a lot, and I just think Tice look. He doesn't have the respect of the ref, so I think either way you're, you're going to be putting a beat on the line. So it, it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I just think based on what I've seen on the Celtics at least, you know, Tristan has, uh, you know, he needs to have a bounce back game. And, and again, it's just about, he got he clearly got emotional last game too. He got the technical call. You know, he was upset with some of the foul calls. And it, look, it's got to be aggravating. But at the end of the day, I think Tice is more... Uh, more used to not getting a good whistle maybe wouldn't get so uh, <laughs> emotional about it so I, I would probably prefer tice but i think they'll go with with thompson because he's a guy that they brought in for situations like this too you know well at least it's just another body to throw at him so you know use as many centers as you can if you need to but i think if you're running out of guys because they're in foul trouble then we're in the same probably we we're on wednesday where Embiid's just living at the line
2: yeah, it, one one foul on Tice. The the one the one in like the last minute of the game. That that was like the the cherry on top, where he just jumped and they called the foul. Like when Harris wasn't even shooting, that was brutal. Yeah, and, and, they, and it, was, it was like they the, didn't even overturn it the it in the la-
0: and they didn't uh, they didn't even say it was a wrong call in the last two minute. Which is was I was really surprised because I saw that and I was like, all right, that that's going to look ugly for the NBA when the last two minute comes out. But they. Apparently deemed that the correct call, which,
1: you know, I'm I'm obviously really skeptical about. I feel like it was a foul. It was just a very soft foul for the moment and like the end of the game. Like I can see that being called in the first couple minutes of the game, you know, first two minutes, refs getting their footing. But it, when it's such a like closely contested game, you already given all the fouls, the it's seemingly one sided. I feel like, like you said, obviously Celtics should have gotten to the rim more. But when you call that in such a tight game, it's it's got to be questioned. and. The, the last, the, I don't like the last two minute report. I know Sam says it a lot too, but do you have thoughts on the two minutes report? It's I feel like it's just, to be yeah, honest with it, you. It, it just gets people mad.
0: It's all about gambling. If you ask me, I said this when it first, they first announced it, it was always my thought was like, this is their way of trying to cleanse themselves of, of the Donaghy situation and say, look, we're, we have accountability for our refs. We'll even show you the mistakes that they made in the last two minutes. Um, So to me, it was all about, you know, quote unquote, transparency and, you know, being, you know, objective about when they're wrong and when they're not just to show that they're on the up and up. But uh, I agree. It doesn't really offer much. I don't hate it, really. I don't I'm I'm not moved one way or the other by it. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say we have to have it. But I just always viewed it as something where they say, you know, like we want people to, you know, we want to incorporate this new revenue stream in sports gambling but we also need to be wary of our past where we had a ref that was you know (laughs) yeah uh we don't need to relitigate that but that was (laughs) ugly that was really ugly for the league and Mm -hmm. to to be able to dip their toes in the in the gambling water i think they needed to do something like that to kind of show that their their refs are you know at least called out when they're wrong
1: Mm-hmm. no yeah and the the worst one I've seen so far wasn't even the Celtics game I remember uh Portland was playing Utah last year and Lillard got his shot blocked in like a clear goal and it it literally yeah, cost him the game that. that that was ugly and then the two-minute yeah, report was like that yeah two-minute report was like yeah we kind of missed that one and I mean I can just imagine how pissed off Trailblazers fans were then so it just seems like it gets it gets fans so heated but I, I understand that aspect you know covering their own ass so it makes sense, but um, you mentioned Tice was getting heated after the game. We saw Marcus Smart in his his post game press conference. I feel like it got cut a little short because he was getting so heated. He kept bringing up Embiid shooting twenty one versus the Celtics twenty free throws. Um, did he have a right to be heated? Obviously, we've talked about the free throw disparity so much, but I wanted to bring this up too
0: yeah no i think it was smart it was a strategic uh decision because brad doesn't do that he should i do think that brad that's one uh one of the few things that i'll criticize brad about um is timeout usage and his not campaigning in the media for his players to get foul calls and complaining and he does it like very rarely so it's not like he's never done it but Remember Nick Nurse in the playoffs after Jason Jason Tatum (laughs) shot 14 free throws, and then he said, "You know, he complained about it. He shot like four combined the rest of the series after that." And to me, it was annoying, but it was also like Brad, it's effective, and I do think that that's what Marcus was trying to do because he was being asked things and just kept bringing it up. He had he had a plan. It was clear that he had a plan, um, and he was almost. I thought at the time I was like, "Man, he's just." he's like look I'll write the check I'll I'll pay the fine but I haven't seen anything about a fine so looks like he got away with it and look it will be really shocking to me if there's the same kind of uh foul disparity tonight i think if you know whether marcus had an impact on that or not i it's impossible to say because like you guys noted i mean it's the disparity was so drastic that i think the nba or the the refs are going to be conscious of that uh anyway But then you add in the fact that a player really made it a point that, you know, that's just crazy, that disparity, that I do think that it'll it'll be a little bit closer and it should have an impact. And I love the, you know, the entertainment value of Marcus and Embiid going back and forth at each other like that, but it does hurt me a little bit because I love them both so much.
1: (laughs) No, yeah. I mean, I loved when you know, Embiid was getting every foul call, and the one time he didn't, I remember it, like, so vividly, the entire Sixers bench just erupted. Like, Tice went straight he was up. It, it was yeah, so I funny. I remember
2: the Celtics went on, like, a little bit of a run, because, like, there was, like, three or four possessions in a row where he was trying to get a call, like, blatantly, and they weren't giving it to him, and, like, it was just, like, a bad shot, because he was shooting only to get fouled. Hey, man, but it works. That's
0: how he grifts, you know, he grifts his way to, <laughs> oh, uh, it to does work to wins and it, it's an effective strategy and it's it works when he's when his shot is off you know he's you know basically a lot for 25 or more points because of his ability to do that but when he's when his shot is on like the other night where he's hitting those mid-rangers you know you're getting 40 you're getting a 40 burger dropped on your head and there's not really much you can do
1: about it mm-hmm. and i mean it covers for his teammates when they have bad games and speaking of that um, and Bede's running mate, Ben Simmons, having somewhat of a down season in terms of scoring, at least like he's still bringing the assist, still bringing the rebounds, still bringing the defense. But in the last game against the Celtics, he looked kind of, you know, not not amazing. And he's just not averaging as many Never points does as, as some expect. What are your thoughts on Ben Simmons season so far? And did the Celtics need to prioritize him at all? Or is it all about Embiid?
0: It's all about Embiid. Ben's a coward. And and it just, it's so frustrating because, (laughs) you know, I sit here and I watch Jalen Brown just get better every single year. Everything that was wrong with his game coming out of college, he is just, just drastically improved. Just overwhelming work. Like it's an inspiration. And I probably told you guys this before. Like it really, it, it, it inspires me in my own life. And it has nothing to do with like getting better at shooting a basketball to just see that like, you know, his Twitter handle, you know, like, hard work pays off, man. It really does. And and to, to contrast that with Ben Simmons, who has been, you know, he came in his rookie year, and it was like Magic Johnson. He was on a list with Magic Johnson and Oscar Robertson as the only rookies to average, like, whatever it was. It was, you know, 14-8 eight and 8 or 14-7 seven and 7. And then the next year, it was the same thing. And it was like, you know, the only player to do that two year, their first two years, you know, him, Magic Johnson, and Oscar Robertson. And then there's just been zero growth. It's the exact same thing. And yeah, there's the dip in the scoring, which is a little bit concerning, um, but the team's winning. And I think that maybe, you know, it's just him trying to figure out his role with doc, um, but his assists and rebounds are the same. But again, it's that free throw shooting and the finishing and the lack of, of three point shooting that is just so discouraging. Cause it's like, man you you release these Instagram videos of you working out um but then we we know it's bull. we know that it's crap because you don't ever come back better like you literally have nothing you're the exact same player you were you know your freshman year of college uh, at least offensively you know he's become a better defender, but to me that means he's just played more basketball like his his defense is elite you know hes first team all defense but um and that's improved since his rookie year, but that to me is something that improves with just experience. It's not with hard work. So I'm not giving him credit for that. And it's unfortunate, but you know, before Wednesday on Saturday, they played the Grizzlies and I did see a little bit of hope. Um, doc, isn't really like forcing him to shoot threes, but he is slowly starting to just, you know, get up one a game about, you know, at least the last couple weeks, he's been more willing to take them when he's super open. And yeah, he had some really ugly misses, but uh, against the Grizzlies on Saturday, he got the ball in the corner and he pump faked, and
2: I think it was Brooks that that bit on the pump fake. And imagine he, biting on a Ben Simmons pump fake. But
0: uh, the, the point is, <laughs> the point is, is that no matter how your how much your coach tries to pound it in your head, don't bite on a Ben Simmons pump fake when he's uh, open on on the three point line. You're
2: subconscious. I would, if Ben Simmons pump faked while I was defending him, I would laugh. <laughs> but you don't have you don't have time to think. I'm telling yeah. you, these kids have
0: been told s- since they were small children to contest, contest, mm-hmm. arms up. So that split second of him pump faking gave Ben an opening to drive to the basket. He ditched uh, he he pitched it out to Tobias Harris for a three. And to me, it's like that's the point. It's not you being a good three point shooter. It's you punishing guys that bite on a pump fake. You know. Remember Kelly Olynyk used to do those ugly pump fakes and he'd get the weird awkward drives to the lane and and Bede has this gross lo- elongated pump fake, you know, and again, those guys are better shooters, but at the end of the day, there's value in the attempts and that's proof. So, I was encouraged to see that cuz I don't remember him pump faking from 3 ever before that. So, there's a little bit of growth there, but again, soup disappointed in uh the lack of development and just because it just seems like he just he's all about you know living the the star lifestyle and you know you look at what happened in golden state when you had curry and clay thompson these guys that that didn't care about that star lifestyle that just wanted to go get better at basketball hang out be dorks and play video games and stuff like that (laughs) like most of us and they became great and you look at the celtics you got jason tatum and jalen brown who you know don't seem to be you know seeking the, you know, the supermodel girlfriend, you know, you know, they're not on Instagram taking pictures with their brand new Ferraris (laughs) that match their Jordans, which Simmons did. Uh they're not posting these like you know, they you know, they're sometimes on Instagram with videos, but it's not like these clearly edited, look how awesome I am, I'm Mm -hmm. working so hard ones. Uh they're actually putting the work in and they don't care about that other stuff. And the Celtics, you know, give Danny Ainge so much credit for you know, really identifying, uh, the kind of human beings that you want to draft at that high, um, in the draft and, and it shows, and look, Ben, I'm not giving up on him cause I can't, you know, cause I don't have control of him on my team,
1: <laughs> but look, if Bradley Beal were to become available mm. and there was a chance to move him. I would do it in a heartbeat. Wow. So, so were you on the hard, uh, Simmons for Harden train or is that a little different?
0: Yeah, I was,
1: yeah. um, yeah.
0: I know, like, look, like Harden—you know—put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths with how he's acted um, off the court. Just in general, just being obsessed with strip clubs is concerning uh, for a person of his age. I mean, I think Not that, great. You know, Not I, great. <laughs> I don't know how old you guys are, but man, you go to a couple um, for bachelor 21. parties. Yeah. So you guys probably, you know, haven't gone to as many. I've never you know, been. Like I've, I've gone a couple <laughs> times for bachelor parties, and you go a couple times, and you, you're, you're kind of done. You're like, all right. Cool, we did that, granted different life, different lifestyle, yeah. so we sh- I can't really compare, but at the end of the day, it was always a little concerning mm-hmm. and then you know the way he acted leading into uh camp and all that stuff was bad. He wanted out, and he forced his way out, and it was gross, but at the end of the day he got out <laughs> he's he's elite, he's one of the best uh he's like the second best scoring guard ever mm-hmm. uh, behind Jordan, so it really is. You know, I try to uh, tell a bunch of my friends uh, that are Sixers fans you know, because they don't like him. They don't want him. And I'm like, man, you're, you're Shaq and Kobe if you if you trade yeah, for Harden. Really? It, like, that's how good that that duo would be. And Ben, I just have no faith in him ever becoming more than he is right now. And they're not good enough if he doesn't get better.
1: No yeah it's weird. Do you have any more insight on what happened in New York? He took a, a car ride oh, back yeah, to Oh yeah, we Philly. were talking Who were
2: we talking about this with? I think it was Adam I don't remember. Adam
1: Taylor we were talking Maybe. about. Maybe. But do do you know more about that situation like Seth Curry got COVID and Ben Simmons didn't want to stay in the hotel so he drove back to Philly? Do, do you know what happened there? Like that was a whole mess.
2: No, I have no idea what happened there. <laughs> we heard like he wanted to eat and like they told there were no restaurants. The NBA said like the players could eat at in the city. So he took a, like a a train or a car ride back to Philly just so he could get food.
1: That's wild. Well, it's
2: it's not that much of a car ride. I, yeah, uh, I used to drive from Boston to Philly
0: all the time. Yeah, uh, and that's like you know five hours, six hours. But uh, the, the
1: yeah, ride, but to eat food. Like
0: an <laughs> okay, all right. Well, still, look, be... if you got someone driving you, and you can just be on Twitter or yeah, bring your yeah. Nintendo Switch or something, it's you know they dif- well, again they dif- live different lives. Um, <laughs> But I honestly have no idea. But whatever he did, you know, he didn't end up getting COVID. So that's good.
1: Yeah, at least he's fine now, I suppose. But I just remember that being a whole mess. I wasn't sure if you, you knew anything more that we weren't sure about. But uh, but yeah, I mean, is he an all-star this year? This is the last Ben Simmons thing, I promise. <laughs> so. He hasn't been yet. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially when you add Harden to
0: the conference. I don't think that you can justify – yeah. Yeah um putting Ben Simmons on there when someone like you know Jalen Brown has clearly uh earned a spot on the team. Tatum's not losing his spot. You know, Bradley Beal put up a big stink last year hmm. for not making it despite being such an elite scorer. Uh and there's merit there, but look, there's gonna be, you know, people campaigning for Gordon Hayward. I don't think he should make it. I don't think I don't think Ben's done enough to make it this year. But, you know, we'll see because fan voting does count for a good amount. He is a star. But, uh, you know, Harden changes the calculus there at the guard positions.
1: No, yeah, for sure. It's a loaded conference now with Harden especially. So, Uh, but yeah, last Ben Simmons thing, I'm done. flipping the script here just completely going on to something else um Kemba obviously made his return against the Knicks second game against the Sixers was looking a lot better uh than against New York what do you think about the way he's playing so far is it where where you were expecting above average below average just what what are your thoughts on Kemba's way, return way better mm-hmm. way better than
0: i expected i just uh am super encouraged by you know how good he looks physically it, you know the shots weren't falling you know the first game but he just looked, he had that burst and that, you know, you just forget about that when you don't see him. Cause you know, the Celtics were playing pretty good without him. And then he comes back and adds such another dimension, another, uh, another guy that you can throw out there to score, get his own shot, create him and Tice. What a wonderful, beautiful uh, connection. They were working last game. I'm pretty sure. I don't know how many, how many did Kemba finish with five assists, either four or five of them were to Tice. You know, they were just, Work in that two man game, and that's a nice little wrinkle that they can have uh, on a second unit. You know, Kemba obviously would be a starter, but you know, keep him out there when Tice comes in, and you know, it just it helps. And Abby talked to Kemba, you know, the other day before the game, and was asking him about, you know, to to does does she think whether Jalen and and Tatum need to take a step back now that he's coming, or does he need to take a step back? He said, no, no one needs to take a step back you know, we're all, you know, we averaged 20, we all averaged 20 last year. You know, he's like, I'm just going to come in and add to what they're already doing. So, and he's got such a good mindset about that. You know, someone just so soft and fragile, like Gordon Hayward couldn't handle not being the number one guy that he left (laughs) to go. He left a a contending team. that was in the Eastern conference finals to fight for the playing tournament uh, in Charlotte, just so that he could be the man. Uh, man. What a joke. But Kemba is just such a good dude. And, and to see that burst and that speed and just when he's hitting those pull ups like he was on Wednesday, I'm surprised that they lost. You know, granted it was because Tatum wasn't playing, but mm-hmm. and the one thing I would uh They also went yeah. really cold in the mm. second half too. And it was weird because he didn't start the second half. You know, Brad, you know, is trying to watch his minutes and things like that. So it's it's a little bit different. But I do um I wanna see Jalen come out and be uber aggressive today because he was clearly passive on Sunday versus the Knicks. He's a little bit better uh, versus Philly, but I still want to see him just like he's been all year before Kem- Kemba came back, and I think it's just Jalen wanting to help Kemba get back into it by kind of deferring a little bit. But I think Jalen needs to have the exact same mindset that he's had all year, regardless of who's on the court. Like, just take it and go. And if you don't have, uh, if you don't have a shot, pass it. There's a couple times uh, against Philly where I did think that he. He missed some open guys because he just looked like he was trying to prove something. Uh, I think he got a little of the trash talk. Uh, let let a little of the trash talk get to his head a little bit. Because, um, you know, he had that beautiful score uh, where he just crossed up Ben Simmons. And then he did the little, you know, too small gesture that Embiid had done. Uh, so there was a little emotion involved. But, you know, tonight's going to be fun because we got to, you know, these two-game series really add an element because if it was like two weeks or three weeks before they played again, tempers would have cooled, but they should not be cold. They should be hot still at each other and mad. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: And now a quick word from our sponsor.
2: <laughs> Me too. Uh, Jalen Brown, by the way, 24 shots on Wednesday. It's a lot.
0: It is. Uh, you know, you don't want to get, you want to get offense from a variety of different people, but, Look, I'm not going to, you know, I think that Jalen's going to have a great game, but he's just so consistent. So when he has a less than stellar performance, he almost always bounces back. Um, I, it's, a, it's a real shame that Tatum's not playing. I'm super bummed because I do want to see these two teams match up full strength. I don't know if Seth Curry's playing today, but, um, you know, he's obviously not as big of an impact guy as as Tatum is for the Celtics. But it's just, I want to see these two teams go head to head full strength because, I uh, you know, I've watched basically every Sixers game and they have not played great teams. Uh, you know, last game was basically the first real game, the real test, but they didn't have, you know, the Celtics didn't have Tatum, so you can't read too much into it. Um so
1: we'll see. They said Seth Curry should be playing against the Celtics. I mean they said that last time, so Seth Curry. Uh, not sure, not gonna give them much more than Danny Green gave the other day. He uh, was excellent. Seth Curry's I feel like Seth Curry's been knocked down when he was healthy this season. So was Danny Green was the other day though, too. Yeah. I guess. Pass, so
2: Danny
0: Danny's been uh you know, Danny Green's been Danny Green, which is you know, maddening, maddeningly
1: inconsistent. J.R. Smith uh, this season.
0: Yeah, and you know, he was like that last year and he was like that uh, when he was with Toronto. The Sixers went seven games partly because Danny Green was terrible and Van Vliet, you know, was awful until he had a son and then couldn't miss a shot after that. But, uh, you know, Danny Green is has been really up and down this year, but you're right. You know, that's basically what Seth Curry does. But when you have Seth Curry and you have Danny Green, who at least is a threat and someone that you have to guard out there, it just adds so much space for guys like Embiid and even for Simmons to, to attack the basket. and yeah you know, who knows with Tobias Tobias is also a guy that you know can shoot this this sixers out of games if he's not having a good night, but he's also somebody that can just you know some nights where he's just like a pure bucket and you're like that's basically Carmelo Anthony back in his prime um but those games are too far. In, uh, in between
1: No yeah I mean it, Tobias has been better this season Than in seasons past So he, he gets a little more credit I feel like Because last year in the playoffs he was just a joke Like he couldn't even make layups He was specifically missing layups actually I remember around the rim In that series against the Celtics But um, people are saying he's an all-star this season I don't, I don't know if I'd go that far But he, he's been real good Except for him taking player of the week from Jalen Brown that was, a, that was a bit much for my taste Or player of the month or whatever it was
0: Yeah, that was bad. That was the Eastern Conference Player of the week because I think think it was because the Celtics had like one more loss or something than the Sixers did. But, you know, the numbers were comparable. But to me, it was like Jalen was just like, I think he was averaging like 30 points that week. It was great. Um, But that's the thing. Jalen's kind of still doing it. And I think this is the new normal for Jalen Brown. He's a stud. He is, you know, he is a star. He's not as good as Tatum, but he's he's damn close. He's a lot closer than I thought he was going to be. and uh, those two guys, boy, you know, whenever when I have to fight with Celtics fans on Twitter because they're just so angry at Danny Ainge for not trading 18 first-round picks for a bench scorer, uh, I'm like, look, can you guys just take a step back and realize how lucky you are to have these two just franchise cornerstones that are so young and all both locked up. They get along enough. They don't seem to have any sort of issues with each other. They don't seem to be the kind of guys that care too much about, you know, being the guy because they're both just humble and want to win and want to be great. And you know, it's. Celtics
1: fans are very lucky. One of my favorite things in the world is we post our articles on uh, Facebook. I love reading the comments on Facebook because they're just they're so ridiculous that it's comical. So I, I saw one this morning. Uh, the, the basically headline of what we were writing was about how good Embiid was last time and how the Celtics could slow him down and someone commented, Embiid scares me, he kills us the Sixers are way better than we are, time to move on from Ange and Stevens, we aren't going anywhere and I was just like I, "Like, I don't get <laughs> That's when you link them, Mike <laughs> I don't get how Celtics fans Seriously, like. some of these people are so
2: stupid they always overreact no matter what happens no. Oh, no. It's, I'm it's, serious
0: fans in general on and any it's not just Celtics fans I don't want to single them out I think fans suck in general and I mean that uh, you know in the nicest way possible because I'm a fan of a team and I suck too we all suck and that's why I always tell people it's good that I cover a team that I'm not a fan of because I'm way more objective about the Celtics uh you know especially positively like if you want to ask me like have I said anything really good about the Sixers I mean you know when you're a fan of the team you just you just for some reason you just think about like all the things that are wrong instead of just being happy and i get it like i i I don't understand why but i i see it with every fan base you know you get when you're really good you get obnoxious about how good your team is but when you're kind of like on the rise or in the middle it's just never good enough and like it is what it is but i the thing that really bothers me is when when fans try to get mad at like the media for not being critical enough because it's it's preventing the, the Celtics from achieving greatness because the media doesn't cover them. So I'm like, what does the media have to do with the team's performance? Nothing, literally nothing. What I say on a podcast is is going to have zero impact on whether Danny makes a trade or not. Like it just really, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable some of the comments that I get where people are like, "You guys are too," you know. Too happy, like I said, that the game was fun the other night, uh, and people are like, well, "This isn't about fun. We're trying to get win banner eighteen before the Lakers. You know, it's not going to happen if you guys are, <laughs> you know, so Mickey Mouse about I it." Or something. <laughs> so, I was like, "Nothing I say has any impact on whether they win a championship or not." Like, I'm flattered that you think
1: that I have this kind of impact, but you're an idiot. It's it's, it's wild. I just. Uh, I don't even know. And My favorite is Facebook. People think Taco should be like starting and like should be the best center in the NBA. It's just ah, uh, that that's where I draw the line, and I just kind of start ignoring them.
0: The Facebook <laughs> oh, yeah, people, I love are my it.
1: favorite, I love it. I can't get enough. Uh,
0: I need to get back on. I I you know I still obviously have my account, but I I deleted mm-hmm. it off my phone. Uh, I can't remember which Zuckerberg action irked me. <laughs> to the point where I finally deleted it. Uh, there's been a lot, but I was like, I'm deleting it. You know, I'm keeping my account. And, and so I can get on, but I just don't regularly. But it does. I remember when I was uh, more involved in our NBC Sports Boston Facebook page, just mm-hmm. reading through those comments and being like, man, if they ever let me respond <laughs> like they do on Twitter,
1: this could it get us. Of- it brings definitely, It definitely entertains uh, at the very least. But um, yeah, m- moving on again. Uh, the Celtics bench has been a lot, a lot better this season. Obviously, Javante Green got a lot of minutes last game. You know, Shemi Ojale showing major improvements. Uh, Grant Williams playing better after a slow start to the season. Uh, Robert Williams still out, but he was playing great. Do you see that this bench is the bench that the Celtics need to, you know, make that deep run of the playoffs? Or obviously, like you've been saying and joking around about, does Danny Ainge need to trade thirty first first-round picks for, for a bench score? Or is this internal improvement going to be, you know, good enough?
0: You know, it's been good enough so far, but one thing I would worry about is, you know, a lot of that bench boost has been Pritchard. And he's been so good and awesome and great, and especially for someone picked where he was with the expectations he had. I worry that he might hit a wall, and I just can't imagine Brad... Well, I mean, look, Brad has trusted him a lot already, so maybe we need to retire some of the narratives that we have about Brad playing young guys. But I do worry about being able to trust rookies in the playoffs you know granted benches are not as important in the playoffs but there may be a situation where yeah, it depends who's available but like I, the thing is that what danny just never does is trade first round picks for rentals for half a season of a guy he's just he doesn't want to set that precedent and so that the next time there's a guy and he that he wants teams like well you traded a first round pick for this guy you know danny is it, it whether you agree with it or you don't, just don't expect him to do that. Like, that's what I say. Because, honestly, good teams rarely do that. You know, unless you're a super team like, you know, the Lakers, you know, or I i don't know if I consider the Bucks a super team. I think teams get burned a lot when they when they move first round picks, especially when you're depending on those picks to fill your roster out for the next four or five years because you're capped out. So they need to find rotation guys in the draft. Because free agency is just not a, an option unless you're just living on the mid-level exception every year. So, you know, I think there'll be some buyout guys maybe. But the problem is a lot of times they're waiting. You know, the plan is to wait for the buyout market and then they don't get the guy that they want. You know, I think Marvin Williams was a guy that they really thought that they were going to get last year. And he ended up signing with the Bucks. And maybe they had they known that, they would have made a bigger push to get a guy like Alec Burks from Golden State. But again, when people argue about that, I'm like, look, Golden State was trying to move those two guys, Glenn Robinson the third and Alec Burks, because they, for for financial reasons, they, they needed to get rid of two. Uh, the Sixers traded three second-round picks for that, and the Celtics did not have another roster spot to absorb two guys. So they would have had to cut someone and cost them money that way. It's just... It was just an unrealistic thing. I'm sure if they could have gotten Alec Burks, they would have traded picks for him. Not a first-round pick, but multiple seconds for a guy like that because it is something that I think that they needed, just a guy that could come hit shots um, in the playoffs. But, you know, it, I think now I would I would say this may be the year that he finally does make a move like that, but we'll see. Yeah, you know, they, we still have Romeo not playing. We still have Smith not playing uh, just because he hasn't earned it yet according to Brad, I would say. You know, I think if he'd earned it, he'd be playing. But, you know, we'll see. Again, it's it's a journey. I think there's an opportunity this year, but I also think there's an opportunity next year, the next year, the next year. So I don't think Danny should be operating under the let's sell the future for our shot this year. Because, one, the Lakers are really good. And, two, you just you have these two guys locked up and those assets
2: matter moving forward. And w- when you took. Go ahead, go ahead. Do you are you giving up on Neesmith? Not no, you're okay, go ahead. Jack, but you know, before we, you know, he he really hasn't been very good at all. Even though, um, you know, he his stroke definitely does look good, but he's for sure got a lot of room to improve. No, I'm not giving up on him. I look
0: if you go back and look at Jalen's rookie year. And it wasn't this drastic. I have to look at the numbers. But I just remember Jalen was playing like seven minutes a game, it felt like. And he would there were some games where he wasn't playing. He was a third pick in the draft. And Brad right. would just yank him. And I think with certain players, that's what that's what is called for. That's what's needed. With Jalen, I don't think you can argue with the results. It matters now that he got that tough love, that that medicine early in his career, because he had to be better on defense. And Brad didn't trust him. And he he yanked him. Brad used to do that with Tice, even like last year. If Tice was having a bad game, Brad would yank him and not put him back in. And, you know, you got to earn it with Brad. And And Pritchard clearly has. Pritchard's been solid in everything that they've asked him to do. Neesmith's, you know, I don't know. I'm not there in practice. I can't see it. But he's clearly not ready. And I'm not worried about it because I think that him having to fight for those minutes, it's not like he's R.J. Hunter where there's no hope of him ever being a defender and he better be, you know, Clay Thompson from three to be able to, you know, justify playing. I think Neesmith will be okay. I think his body's good for a defender. I think that he has a good attitude, a good approach. Uh, He clearly wants to be good. And, you know, you look at guys like James Young and James Young didn't care. He didn't care. He was not, he didn't have it. You know, I've talked to people in the organization about that where it was... He just didn't have that work rate that you needed to to make that leap. So uh, the James Young comparisons to me are a little ridiculous because, again, what have we played, 11 games? It's 11 games into this guy's rookie year, didn't have summer league, barely had training camp, hardly a preseason, weird offseason, long stretches of not having playing organized basketball for these rookies. And, yes, some playing well. Just be more impressed with the guys that are playing well that are rookies and be less concerned about the guys that aren't in my opinion. Uh,
1: it just, yeah, he's just looked it's like he's point. struggling, but like you said, I mean, Jalen struggled his rookie season. Sometimes it just happens, you know, you, you gotta get used to playing in the NBA. It's, it's a pretty drastic difference, which is why I think it's so impressive that Pritchard has been able to adapt so quick, quickly. Is that, is that because he's a four year college player? Do you think that's a huge reason why, or is it just the type of mentality he has? I think that's probably has a lot to do with it. He's, now he's older than Tatum. I mean, he's
0: a more mature kid. Um, And, you know, he just, he's solid. I mean, he's solid. And I think, you know, being solid at that position, especially just being where you're supposed to be on defense. You know, remember Kelly Olenek isn't, I wouldn't say he's a great defender, but he was a good positional defender. He would be in the right spot. That's how Tice is most of the time. You know, that's why Robert Williams, who despite being, you know, such a good shot blocker, having good instincts blocking shots, you know, doesn't play as much because, he doesn't have the right positioning and that's something that I think he can get better at but I think when you can be in the right spot even if you're physically at a disadvantage you know that you know more often than not that's going to be fine it's not going to hurt you so bad so um I think that the four years probably definitely had something to do with it and and it could just be you know he's just better than we thought you know I remember there was a video uh of Patrick Williams you know it was like Patrick Williams lights up you know NBA players and you know, summer workout session or something. And Pritchard was there too. And him and Pritchard and Patrick Williams were just, I don't even, I didn't recognize any of the other NBA guys that were allegedly in this video, but they were cooking guys. They were just cooking them. I'm like, wow, I didn't expect to see that. I wasn't even sure this kid would make the team, but (laughs) he's been quite a fine for the Celtics at
1: 26. No, yeah, I mean I I feel like all of Boston would agree with you on that one. And that begs the question. I gotta ask you. Uh we, I saw your eight mile graphic, your your M M&M and M comparisons. Do you have a favorite nickname? Is it Fast Peefee? Is it eight mile? Do, do you have a preference?
0: You know, I, I'm not super mm. passionate one way or the other. Like with Time Lord, it was it was like <laughs> I will fight Danny <laughs> Angel if he tries to make us use Lob Williams. Like I will <laughs> I will I will make it a campaign to to jettison the, the the gm if he makes us do glob williams but uh because time time lord was so uh it was so anti-establishment that's what i loved about it and, you know because sometimes these nickname games get a little too corporate feeling for me you know get a little like man are we are we making this too much of a you know big big business you know look at us we're trying to commandeer the people's voice and make a nickname but Time Lord was, like, anti-that, and, uh, you know, it's not that case with Pritchard. I think, you know, it's been pretty organic, especially because Fast PP was his, his Twitter handle. Um, I, I'm i not, like, I like them all. I'm not passionate about it one way or the other. I'm good with what the people decide. I kind of say Fast PP, I think, more than 8 than, uh, Mile or P. Rabbit, but that's just because I think it's funny that it's, like, in between quarters, what I have to do, I have to go have a fast PP
1: because I don't want to miss any of the game. <laughs> um I and mean, sometimes you just gotta go I, I love fast PP. It's 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 just so perfect, right? Especially because, like you said, it was his Twitter handle, which is wild by the way. Imagine going through high school, college, and just being like, Yeah, but what's your Twitter handle? Oh yeah, fast PP. Just having to like say that and give it to people. It's such such a legend. Well,
0: my my Yahoo, uh my first Yahoo email was Max <laughs> So instead of Maximus, there was the word "swim" in there because uh. I was on the swim team. So I can relate to having really corny uh, <laughs> that's <things amazing>. stuff. <laughs> that's, that's amazing.
2: That's that's my my Skype. Right now, <laughs> no way is it really? Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, oh- I do remember that. Now that I think about it, the first time uh, that we had to we had you on, that was um, that was what <laughs> I had to add.
0: Look, not enough, not enough people hey, make fun of me great. for that. It's it's pretty crazy. My sister's the only one. She like makes fun of me for that, and no one else thinks it's that funny. I'm like, it is like really.
1: Dorky. Hey, all all of my old uh, old handles had five fives in it because it was my favorite number. So no matter what username I had, it was just five 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 immediately afterwards. Like it's still my Xbox tag. Like it's got that after <laughs> it. So it's it's. I mean, I I guess it's not the same as Swimmus, but it, it's still something I get I get roasted for on the daily. But uh. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, switching gears one last time before we, you know, start to wrap up and uh, and the show. We talked about Tyson Thompson earlier, specifically guarding Embiid. But on, on a larger scale than that, the Celtics also have Robert Williams for the future for the rest of the season when he comes back. You know, Tyson Thompson have both been playing solid. I would argue uh, more people have been impressed with Thompson. But with Tyson's contract being up, I know Sam brings this up all the time. Is he an option for a trade at the deadline uh, since Thompson is under contract for longer? Do you see Tyson's, you know, more trade tradable uh this year
0: um i would say you know he should be i think he should be because you know you would ideally want to be able to get something for nothing which you know i don't think they're going to resign him because i think he'll probably get offered more than they are willing to spend this summer but um, it really just, it just depends on time Lord. Like, it's just so hard. I know like the, the COVID thing, it's just, I don't know who to blame for that, but it's, <laughs> I'm having a hard time blaming anyone. These guys are traveling and all this stuff. And, um, so, but like every year he's missing games cause of health, you know, so it's just really hard to justify banking on that. It's, but it's also kind of why they. You know, Danny made a mistake, in my opinion, not trading Terry Rozier before two years ago in that awful uh, Kyrie's final run. Uh, But it was Kyrie Insurance. And I think that really burned them because that messed up the locker room. I think you don't have to worry about that now because the locker room isn't screwed up. They all get along and they're great. Um, But, you know, I can see them keeping Tice because they don't trust that um, Time Lord's going to be healthy. But I do, like, ideally, I think in the best case scenario for the Celtics, you know, Time Lord comes in and it just really improves and, and plays well. But everything that he needs to get better at, you get better at by playing basketball. And he's just not played enough to take the leaps that I think he's capable of taking. I'm impressed with him as a, a human being. I think, you know, just hearing him in interviews since that first one where uh, I'll never forget Brian Olive on the tele, uh, the teleconference the day after the draft saying, we're trying to track down Robert. and we're all like what so we had to wait because they couldn't find him you know like but ever since then like even just the language he uses he's just he's grown up he's you know he seems more professional i think al horford uh should probably get a little bit of credit for that because he seemed to take him under his wing a little bit and just he he really impressed me in the bubble with some of the one-on-ones he did with abby just really thoughtful kid and and he wants to get better and you know he's a dad i think that changes you know a lot of people and so um I believe in him, but, again, he's just got to be on the court if he's ever going to get good enough on, like, just intelligence-wise on defense for Brad to trust him. So I would not bet that that uh, Danny moves Tice, but it's definitely something that he should be considering, maybe if it's a deal where they get another center back or something. But it's tough when, you know, because Brad said he was using the two, two big lineups so that he could get more minutes for Time Lord. Um, so there is a bit of a logjam there, but and I also don't think like it depends what you're getting in return. I mean, there could be a no-brainer deal though. you're like, obviously do that. But if it's just to move him, just to move him, I I think that's tough to see.
1: No, yeah, I mean, I think uh, like you said, Robert Williams hasn't been on the court enough necessarily to garner like being solidified in that backup spot or even starter spot where a lot of people want to see him and. I got to bring it up because it, it was like a flash in the pan, but Taco looked real good against the Wizards, man. Like, I, like that's got to be... Like, he just hasn't gotten any more playing time since then, which understandably so. You know, Thompson came back, Grant Williams came back. That that was a very specific scenario. But uh, I, he looked really good. Is, is that something we can expect to see? Like, next year, maybe Taco gets more time? Or is he, is he gone after his two ways up? Yeah. Uh,
0: it's going to be tough because... As much as I love Taco and you really root for him, it's you know, and he's made, you know, leaps and bounds since coming to the NBA. He's so much better. But it's just I physically it's tough to see him ever being, you know, I mean, if if you could tell me he would be Bobon,
2: that's what I then I would think, say, yeah. yeah,
0: keep him around. But that's like his absolute ceiling and that I don't think that justifies um mm-hmm. a roster spot. When you know you're trying to win a championship, but maybe you know again and i'm i'm all I'm open ears uh if the argument is he is such a good he has such a good impact on the locker room that guys really like him that if we're talking about the last roster spot, then I think that's worth it, but I don't know if that's if he makes a big enough impact like that I think if he was gone, they would probably still be you know all friends with each other so I just haven't seen enough, you know, NBA basketball in him. I could be wrong. He could, he could blow me away, but yeah, he did flash a little bit, but it's just his body, man. It's just so hard to see like, it, it, cause I believe that he works incredibly hard. It just, there's, it's like me working super hard. I don't, but if I did, uh, I would never be able to play in the NBA, even if I like maxed out my physical potential, it would still not be good enough. And I think that that's his issue, is that he's just too tall. He's too tall. Like, his body's too lanky. I worry, uh, you know, he's just never going to be able to move his legs fast enough to to be able to to ever defend a fast break,
1: you know? No, yeah, it's tough. Because like you said, I mean, everyone loves Taco. It's wild he hasn't gotten Taco Bell sponsorship yet. I think, Sam, you said that. But uh, um, going back on Robert Williams, Sam, you always say he has the potential to, uh, you know, glow up or – uh, be really good in one season. Who was the player you always compare him to? I, I forget. Uh, uh yeah.
2: white Capella, those yeah. guys, I think, uh, you know, they, they have similar games, similar builds. Like they're both, all, they're all athletic shot blockers, mm-hmm. that kind of deal. I just think he has the potential to just make a jump out of nowhere. I think
0: Deandre mm-hmm. Jordan's a good comp too. Uh, you know, vertical threat, maybe not the best, you know, maybe a little bit overrated on defense, but good shot blocker. Um, I think, you know, because when he plays, when he's out there, he's, you know, he's impacting the offense. He's, I think he doesn't miss really ever. He just dunks everything. Uh, He's pretty dependable in that regard. And he's a lob threat. He's absolutely a lob threat. And that, you know, that impacts defenses. So, you know, I'm, I believe in him. I have a big poster of him right next to me right now that i made custom because well it just was something i did i don't <laughs> know really know why but uh, i like it i can't sell it because it's not legal <laughs> but um if i could i would make some money off it because mm-hmm. it's very well uh, well designed if i say so myself but i like i like him i think he's a real, real X factor for this team because i think that he would be if he could reach you know 70 to 80 percent of his potential this year i think that they would be in a like a much better spot when it comes to winning a championship. No,
1: yeah and i i think he can't get there eventually like you said though before it's just about him actually being on the court um and you mentioned deandre jordan and it kind of brings me to the last thing i wanted to mention before we put a wrap on the show uh i know i said that once but i forgot about this so i apologize <laughs> um obviously deandre jordan the nets the big three Lost to Con Sexton, but that's that's besides the point. Uh, you got the Nets, the Bucks, and the Sixers, who the Celtics are playing again tonight. Um, who do you see as the biggest threat to the Celtics in the Eastern Conference right now? Or does it have to be the Nets because of how good they are on paper, or is it still you know the Bucks?
0: I would say I would put the Nets ahead of the Bucks for sure because I think I don't I don't think I think Brad could beat Budenholzer in a in a playoff series. I think Bud. Is a terrible playoff coach. He hurts them. That team is too talented to not, you know, make it to the finals already. Uh, his system is just, it just, it makes sense in the regular season, but it doesn't in the playoffs and he's too stubborn. And I think that Brad has proven himself uh, adjustment wise. You know, Brad seems to have gotten better, um, you know, throughout his coaching career at making the playoff adjustments and things like that. So I, the Bucks. Don't worry me as much as they probably should. The Nets do because before they got Harden, they smoked the Celtics. uh, And, you know, they have Kevin Durant and James Harden. You know, even without Kyrie, I think that team is dangerous. And they do lack depth, and that matters, uh, especially in the regular season. Their defense is terrible. But, you know, when you have such, you know, two of the greatest scorers in NBA history still in their prime on the same team... And then you have like a, a absolute stone cold killer and finisher in Kyrie who has, you know, proven it in the playoffs and championship moments, hitting big shots. That's hard to bet against. So I would put the Nets uh at the top worry for me. I still uh, even though even if the Sixers win tonight, to me, the Sixers are a team that needs to beat the Celtics in the playoffs before I ever think that they will. You know, they've played twice in the last couple of years. In the in the postseason, and the Celtics have made it very look very easy with different you know different teams basically. Although the hospital Celtics were more similar than they are uh to this year's squad because of the guys that were out, but I just think that the the Sixers need to prove it in the postseason. You know, I think having bringing in Doc is massive because you have at least a guy that's won before. Whereas Brett Brown, I just you know I had no faith in. And granted, Doc's had his playoff struggles. Uh, since leaving the celtics but you know he's a winner and they have good players and they've got some guys that have won championships before so i think that the the sixers may end up being a threat but i'm not gonna until
1: they prove it in the playoffs i'm still going with the celtics yeah yeah that makes sense uh, the way the nets are built right now you know defense obviously concerned depth of concern but when you got three guys like that uh like Arguably one of the most talented trios in NBA history. It's it's tough to not put them at the top of the list. But uh, with that, that's all I got, Sam. Unless there's anything you wanted to bring up specific, I I mean I'm all set, Sam. What are you thinking? Yeah, so, I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Once again, thank you to Max for joining us today. You can follow him on Twitter, Max underscore Letterman. Best lower thirds, best graphics on all the TV, NBC Sports Boston. Uh, Emmy <laughs> Award winner, Max. Yes, sir.
2: Thank you for coming. Right. Max, when I when I made the Photoshop of you when you scooped shams last week, I I was so bummed with myself. I should have put an <laughs> Emmy in your hand when you were stepping over shams.
1: You really missed an opportunity. Oh, no, I was so bummed. That's all right. I
0: I feel like I've tweeted out that Emmy. I I mean, right you gotta up.
1: flex it. Once you win <laughs> it, you gotta flex it. There's no other reason to have it, right? You gotta you gotta flex it. I mean, it
0: really that is the point. The point of winning an
1: Emmy is to flex. That's basically
0: it. I mean. It, <laughs> It was a dream of mine uh, through my whole life, and I finally win it. Of course, great. Now of course. I get course to brag about it. But,
1: uh, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Nice to have you on the show. Um, you guys can follow us at Bannertown USA. I'm Jack Simone NBA. And with that, Sam, go ahead.
2: Yeah, follow follow Max. Follow Jack. Follow Bannertown. Uh, you can follow me at Sam Lafrance NBA. That's our show for today. Bye.